Hello and welcome to the Advice Podcast. My name is James Fitzgerald, reporter at New Model Advisor. Today, I'm speaking with the Managing Director of Manchester-based Weatherall's Financial Planning, James Weatherall. James, thank you for joining me. Hello, James. Thanks for having me. Now, you've created a guide to recruiting, developing and retaining young advisors, which, given the average age, age of advisors in the industry and the need to attract young talent to the sector, is a very proactive and important thing to do. The guide was made with assistance in contributions from Zero Supports Phil Young, Sam Turner, Dr. Hannah Holmes, Sandra Gims, Tim Sargison, and of course, yourself and your team at Weatherall's. Now, before we delve into the guide, I wanted to ask you about your journey into financial advice and why you're passionate about guiding and developing young people. Yeah, sure, okay. Uh, I came into the profession in 2008 uh, I'd finished university and been working for a couple of years. I, I got a job working in uh, property investment and consultancy. Uh, when I left university, I wanted to become a financial advisor, but just could not see a route in. And so thought if I went into professional sales, I could perhaps convert later if I did something that was, was fairly transferable. Uh, but after a couple of years of working in property, I, I knew it was definitely what I wanted to do to get over onto the advice side. Uh, but it was very difficult then. There wasn't really a defined route in. And uh, what I ended up doing was some of my studies in my own time at my expense. Uh, and then I used a CityWire article talking about the lack of young blood coming into the profession as a bit of a door knocker, along with a copy of my CV. And I just punted that out to the big firms in Manchester that I knew of, uh, basically saying, can I have a job, please? Have you got any trainee roles? Uh, I know there's a problem and, and you know, I, I think I might be good at this. Um, most of them completely ignored me, uh, but one gave me an opportunity to come in for interview and it was enough for me to, to secure a role as a trainee. And uh, during that time, that was IFG Financial Services. Uh, I spent seven years there working my way up from doing administration, power planning, training up as an advisor uh, and ended up when I left that business, very good client bank, uh, you know, high billing advisor, uh, really uh, had a very good client bank there great relationship with the the MD who really helped develop me uh, and it, it was just a it was a it was a great role and a great business to work for but uh, along that journey unfortunately they decided they wanted to sell they were acquired by a consolidator I didn't think that was perhaps the best thing for me or for my clients and long story short was able to come to an agreement that uh, I was able to invite a number of clients to come and join me uh, as I set up my own practice and this enabled me to take 40 clients uh, over with me when I set up Weatherall's, which was great because there was no sort of contractual fallouts or anything like that and gave me the, the core to start a business. So um, running Weatherall's, I set up quite quickly, bought a, an administrator, come office manager on and bought on my first grad trainee within six months who I have developed throughout the life cycle of the business. We're now moving into year eight. He's now a qualified planner. And um, during that time, I've taken on two more grad trainees, one of whom is about to get his competent advisor sign off, another of whom is a long way through her exams and nearly there. And so we're, in that time, what, 13 years, I've gone from being fresh-faced rookie trying to get into the profession to becoming an experienced advisor in an employed role to building a business of my own. But I was always driven to, to try and help other young people come in as it was quite difficult for me. Uh, and I wanted to try and help others come through. And so shortly after I, I qualified myself, I took on a guest lecture slot at MMU Business School, worked as a volunteer student mentor uh, and started to try and raise the profile, really, of the profession to graduates uh, and help them get into get into roles. 
So having talked about that quite a bit and created some intern positions at IFG when I was employed, when I set my business up, it was kind of a case of put your money where your mouth is. And so that's why I was keen to employ a graduate trainee very soon after setting the business up uh, and then to, to continue to do so, really. And that's been a big part of the success of our business is developing young advisors. Yeah, great. And you mentioned that you, you, know, you speak at and have a lecture spot at Manchester Metropolitan Business School. What sort of feedback do you get from the students you speak to when you, you, know, when you talk about financial services and you know, a career as a financial planner? It's interesting because most people don't know it exists and that remains a, a key problem, I think. Uh, accountancy and law, two of the old professions, have very clearly defined paths in, don't they? And a very high profile, well-known. Financial planning, financial advice, yeah, most people don't know it exists, even now. Uh, some of the universities do have modules in financial planning and that's been a recent development. Of course, that's helped. But there's still loads of students that you, you give these talks or, or lectures to who, when they speak to you afterwards and express an interest, they didn't even know this was a potential career option. Uh, and certainly, I think um, Ash, one of my trainees, would probably agree with that. I don't think he even realised this was a, a career option until I, I went to the university and gave a talk. Speaking to so many so many young people, it's always, I you know, I fell into it or uh, you know, accidentally got into becoming a financial planner or, you know, my dad did it or my dad's friend did it. So. Is it important, you know, we increase awareness about this? Yeah, I think so, because the, the feedback you get when you tell people about this, young people, is they do become very interested. It does have a lot to offer. Uh, you know, there's the personal development side in terms of upskilling. There's the vocation and actually being a, a true professional. Uh, it's working with people. It's helping people. It's using your degree study in a relevant way. Uh, you can earn well. So it's got a lot to offer. And I think when you do show it to graduates, it does have a great appeal to it. And there's a, a lot of people that I find come from an accounting and finance degree who, ironically, it's taught them that they don't want to be an accountant. And um, you get a lot of that where they say, you know what, I've done this. I don't really want to be an accountant, but actually this is really appealing. Uh, it's close to accountancy, but seems to be more people focused. So you get quite a few uh, students from that discipline that are interested. Yeah, great. And go, going into the guide, yeah, um, once again, called you know, Recruiting, Developing, Retaining Young Advisors. Why did you produce the guide? Why was it important to you? Well, the purpose was, having been doing this for quite some time now and had success in our business, I, I found that within Sense Network, uh, of whom we're a member, a number of firms would sort of pick up the phone, really, and, and ask for advice or input. We've played quite a role with Sense in the beginning. I think that they'd not had many firms developing grad advisors. Uh, and so it was a bit of a, a useful opportunity for them to hone some processes there. And uh, I had a conversation with Adam Owen some years ago when he still worked with Sense and talked to him about this concept. And so wouldn't it be great to create a guide for Sense members, something more structured and off the shelf guide they could use if they wanted to do this. And um, Adam said, that's a great idea, but why don't you do something bigger? Why don't you, you put it out to the whole profession? Uh, um, it seemed like a great idea and then the concept just stayed in my mind and, and many listening will know exactly what it's like when you're a busy advisor or an AR principal. It sat in my mind and suddenly years had gone by and I've not done anything with it. And um, I, I spoke to Phil Young when he came in as chairman at Sense. He said, this is a great idea. Um, what if we help you with a copywriter to, to help put something together to interview you uh, and create this guide? Uh, which we did and has now been edited and released for the purpose really of trying to put together accumulated knowledge from 10 years of doing this 
that will help other SME advisor business owners. I've found over the years there's quite a lot of appetite and interest for doing this, for bringing on grad trainees, but a lot of people don't know where to start. And when you are a small business, as an AR principal, you wear many hats and um, yeah, there's always lots of new things to learn. Uh, you don't have a dedicated HR department to deal with recruitment. And so for, for busy AR principals, it's sometimes quite a difficult thing to do. And, and a lot want to translate this from something they think about into something they, they, they can actually do, but don't always know where to start. And I think that's possibly a barrier. So the purpose of the guide really is to give an off the shelf um, it's a piece of content that people can use as a bit of a primer, really, if they don't know where to start uh, and to give them some ideas as, as to how to go about it. Yeah, great, great. And just to, as a bit of a taster for you know, advisors and advice firm principals listening now, you know, what, are the, what are the most important points? What are the key points in the guide you'd like to share? Yeah, so a lot of it really is practical information, lessons learnt, uh, the good stuff and the bad stuff. If I can help people shortcut and avoid the, some of the pitfalls I fell into, then, then all the better. Uh, really, it just talks about the benefits of trainees, uh, where you can find them, how to hire them, potential pay scales and, and packages that you might put together for them. Uh, touches on a development plan. I think something that is missing, there are a number of larger firms out there that offer some sort of trainee advisor program, but sometimes it's a bit vague and they will offer to put uh, trainees through their exams and perhaps maybe possibly someday they will become an advisor but there's not always a, a clear structure and so the guide talks about the importance of that in particular having a structured development plan being able to show your trainees what are the milestones how are they actually going to progress to being an advisor but also mapping it out for your own business so you you know what their journey is going to look like and how quickly they can move into actually being an advice function in your business we also put three interviews in there with our current grad trainees uh, who are all at different stages in their careers. So you can hear a little bit about what it's like from their perspective, having gone through that process. Uh, and we also did a nice spotlight piece on MMU Business School with an interview with uh, Hannah Holmes, uh, head of the business school, just talking about the relationship we've built with them uh, and a bit about the graduates and their attitude towards opportunities like this. It's, uh, it's not definitive, certainly, but it's, uh, it's designed to put together the things I've learned over 10 years, uh, really just with the intent of helping other advisory businesses if they want to take the plunge. Out of interest, you mentioned a few pitfalls in regards to you know, your recruitment over the, the previous years. Can you share a few with us? Yeah, I, th I think the pitfalls that I've come across mostly have tended to be in uh, what other firms have been doing. I'm not saying we're doing it perfectly, but certainly some of the, the issues and the, the, the problems that people talk about when they're, they're, if they have concerns about taking on grads, I've seen elsewhere. And one is that piece about development, uh, not giving them a structured career path. And um, one of the biggest concerns people have is, well, hey, if I train these people up and invest this time into them, uh, what, if, what if they just leave? And I think the, the reason that often happens is because firms aren't mapping out clearly enough what graduate trainees uh, or what their route is to becoming an advisor you've got to put that structure in there uh, also exam study i think that's that's something that perhaps i could have done better with my first grad trainee certainly uh, it, it's a different style of learning and even coming out of a relevant university degree there's a lot to to get your head into when you're studying for the diploma qualifications uh, we use some external support uh, through i think brand financial training is the one we've used the most to help them get through their exams but uh, josh as he moved through and we started taking on our other two grad trainees was very good. He set up what has become the Weatherall's Academy. Uh, I think really noting that perhaps he, he's, really catchy name he's, now. 
he would have benefited. Yeah, that's right. And, and fair play to him. You know, this has been his creation, recognizing that uh, perhaps he would have benefited from some more structured study support, which I wasn't really in the position to, to provide. And so he's now provided that to Ash and Letty in terms of sitting down, exam coaching, setting out good study schedules. So really helping them put the structure together and helping support them as they go through their exams in a hands-on way within the business, something that I couldn't do myself, but that Josh has done very well. So again, it's down to that support of the, the graduates, making sure that they're supported and encouraged and that there's a structured development plan for them uh, for the future. Great, great. And, you know, we, we were talking about it earlier, you know, a lot of students aren't aware of financial advice as a career, which obviously is an issue. I mean, the average age, age rather, of a financial advisor is, you know, north of 55. And I think it's been that way for about 25 years and doesn't seem to go down, um, even as, you know, more young people come in. How do we, how do we ensure young people, you know, know about the sector? Do we need more, um, do we need more people like yourself going to schools, having chats, or does there need to be something done from, you know, whether it be you know, professional bodies or regulatory bodies, just to get the awareness of the, that this career path into financial planning or advice out there to young people? I think we just need to keep pushing that agenda. Uh, I know of other advisors, I know the PFS have got involved in projects with NextGen as well uh, at university fairs and also sort of giving talks at, at sort of high, high schools and colleges and things. But we've, we still as a profession, I think we need to do more to reach out to young people. I found volunteering with the university has been really rewarding uh, and has helped put it on the map for a lot of students. And uh, I think we're a, a strange profession really where we're part cottage industry, part sort of large companies and not that much in between. And I, I think really for some of the best things we can do is as small advisory business owners is volunteer our time to, to get out there, engage with local universities in particular. Uh, they, they'll often welcome having any sort of hands-on uh, career support or encouragement from uh, professionals already in industry. So I think there's a lot we can do as individuals if we want to make a difference by getting in touch with universities or perhaps I know other peers who have done talks even at, at high schools to help explain to younger children uh, what it is that financial planning is and why they might want to get into it when they get older. So what are the myths around bringing on employee financial planners? from a, a, you know, an advice principle standpoint? It's interesting because there are, there are three really that seem to come up quite often. Uh, the first I think is that, that it's gonna be very time intensive to train a grad trainee and particularly this idea that they're, they're not gonna be able to deliver value for, for quite some time or, or tying the perception of them delivering value to them actually becoming a, a billing advisor. But certainly in my experience, if you take the right person on particularly the graduates I've employed, they've picked things up very quickly. They've become technical administrators very quickly and developed into power planning and really started delivering value for the business quite early on. So even though it's quite a long gestation process to get them trained as an advisor, I think the right person can deliver value very quickly. So it's perhaps not as, um, it's not as long a process as some advice principals might think before they're delivering value uh, to the business. Another, I think, is a lot of people say, oh, yeah, but uh, what if they just leave after I've trained them up? You know, I invest all this time and money into training them, getting their quals, and then, and then they move on. And I think that is a challenge for all of us to, to create an environment which people want to be a part of. And uh, part of that, I think, is the structure progression piece. It doesn't just stop when they become an advisor. You've got to continue to support them uh, and map out how they get to the next step help them build their career, their um, uh, client banks 
and help them develop as young advisors. I think if you give people the progression and you keep mapping out milestones uh, to help with their career development and keep them focused, uh, I would hope that you can keep people. And of course, we my only experience is what we've done in our business and we're, we're normally we're almost into our eighth year now, but we're yet to lose anybody. Uh, and I hope it's, it's my intention to do everything I can to keep my grads uh, as they move on from training into being qualified advisors. But I think, yeah, we, we've got to, we have to work and take responsibility as advice principals for making an environment where they want to be a part of it. It's like any workplace, isn't it? I mean, it's all about support, guidance, and you know, in, some, in some way incentive as well. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, part of it's, it's financial and part of it is really, I guess, building a good team environment. People want to be part of a buzzy vibrant environment and not necessarily the old dusty traditional IFA background. You know, I remember certainly the bits I went into was a bit like that when I started. You know, people want flexibility, uh, they want a nice work environment and they want to feel valued and, and that the, the business really will push their career on and that they can get to where they want to go, even if they're working in a small business. I think the, the only other thing that I, I hear that's quite common in terms of sort of myth busting is I'd know advisors who say, oh yeah, but my clients wouldn't want to deal with a young advisor. And in my experience, there's certainly a certain profile of client who perhaps will be better attuned to dealing with, with a senior advisor. But there are loads of clients that actually really respond very well to having a young, professional, keen advisor that really wants to get into their, their, you know, to their financial planning and, and deliver value for them. So we've certainly not seen that with Josh. Josh looks after around 20 private clients within the business, uh, a lot of whom are high profile. Uh, they're quite high value in terms of assets under management, and he has absolutely no problem working with those clients. I've no doubt Ash will be able to do the same. I mean, when I went into the profession, I was 25, and by the time I was in my late 20s, I was looking after high profile clients with no, uh, no concerns or, or issues. So I think there is a myth around that, that clients won't want to deal with young advisors, but I've found quite to the contrary, that is definitely not a barrier, not a problem. Well, I suppose age doesn't ensure competence, doesn't it? Well, I guess, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's a lot to be said for experience and, and doing, having done things for a long time, but there are also modern planning concepts that are coming through that are great for value demonstration. We do a lot with buoyant cash flow planning, for example, uh, and you know, the younger generations, they call them digital natives, don't they? They grow up with technology in their hands and actually things like buoyant cash flow planning software, I mean, it's been great for us. Uh, even as trainees, I get them up in meetings presenting to clients, presenting cash flow plans, you know, they're not giving advice, they're presenting data and I'm there as the advisor to, to actually deliver the advice piece. And it starts to change the client's perception of that young uh, trainee from being an administrator taking the notes to being a protagonist in the meeting. Uh, and over time it develops their meeting skills and their presentation skills. Uh, and I find clients start to respond well to them. Uh, and it's just a, it's a way for them to demonstrate value and their expert status to a client quite easily using some of these modern planning tools. Yeah, so I think this, this is a really important issue for the community. The article I sent around what, 13 years ago talking about lack of young blood in the profession as a door knocker when I was looking for roles is still as relevant today as it was back then. You know, I've had the time to go from being a fresh faced trainee to working up as an advisor to setting up my own practice to developing my own grads, one of whom is now a qualified planner. And in all that time, the, the fundamental issue hasn't changed. I think it's really important because in 10 years time, half of our peers are going to be retired or retiring. And that is a huge brain drain uh, on the profession. There's so much accumulated knowledge and experience that's going to leave our sector. And what we want to be able to do is try and pass some of this knowledge on to young trainees and other advisors before 
uh, you know, the, the senior advisors in our profession move on because it, it is that big brain drain issue, I think. And also there, there's certainly a, a trend, isn't there, in the industry at the moment where the, the small practices or the one man or one woman bands are getting absorbed by consolidators. And I think often that's because of a lack of internal succession plans. And a lot of them are, do become quite vanilla, I think. I think a lot of the personality and the real sort of values-led businesses tend to be small to medium practices, where they're they're not sort of they've not got uh, PE or, or shareholders to pacify, and where they're really putting the needs of the clients first. And so, if we've got young people within practices that give succession plans and succession options to these smaller businesses, there's continuation for the business and for the clients as well. Maybe there's some sort of MBO opportunity. But uh, yeah, I think it's really important that we've got young people coming in to the profession. Let's pass on that knowledge from the older advisors before they retire. Uh, and let's try and create more succession plans for these small to medium businesses so they can carry on. And so the whole ind industry doesn't just get absorbed by a small number of large consolidators. No, very good point. Very good point. But there's also going to be the huge transfer of wealth in the coming decades as well. And there's going to need to be advisors to handle that. I mean. Well, how many advisors are there now? You know, 26,000? I mean, some are predicting we're going to lose three thousand a year over the next five. So there's not a lot to handle. Um, you know, people dealing with their parents' wealth, or their grandparents' wealth, or even accumulated wealth moving forward. I mean, how do we deal with that? Yeah, that's a really good point, James. And and this intergenerational wealth transfer is an issue for all of us. Our average client is, is just over 60 if I look at my client bank and a challenge we're trying to respond to at the moment is how do we engage more with the children of our clients and as time goes by the next generation of clients we're, we're all talking about it aren't we but they're more attracted to technology they want a, a modern approach they'll probably respond better to somebody that's closer to them in age so uh, again employing young people bringing young trainee advisors on they're perfectly positioned to start dealing with the children of our clients I think and really help with that intergenerational wealth transfer because that is the the a big concern isn't it is that if if a, a client passes away and the money goes to the next generation are the next generation really going to want to work with mum and dad's advisor uh, do they offer the right sort of um I suppose the right sort of values and, and do they present in a way that appeals to them? I think it's much easier to do that. Definitely. If you've got a younger, uh, uh, younger advisors in your business, or at least a, a, a range of ages in terms of advisors in your business. So finally, what is the plan with the guide and how are you going to get it in front of hiring firms and young people? Yeah, so we're going to host it on our website. There's a landing page on our site dedicated where people can go and download it. There's no monetized element for to this. It really is just a, a gift to the profession. Any SME business owner that's thinking about hiring grad doesn't know where to start. Uh, like I say, uh, hopefully this will act as a useful primer. They can access it via our website directly, download it, do with it what you will. Uh, as I say, also, it's not definitive necessarily. It's my views and opinions and experiences, but hopefully over 10 years of doing this successfully, there's some stuff in there that people will find useful uh, and it's up to them what they take forward and, and take from the guide. But uh, yeah, we can we can send a link out, can't we, after the podcast for people to access it. And I think we're going to do some more content, aren't we, in terms of written content on the website and in the magazine. We certainly will be. We certainly will be. And uh, when this podcast goes out for the listeners listening right now, please look at the link at the bottom of the article and you'll be able to check out James's guide in full.